Welcome to this special preview of the latest patrons-only episode of the Dispatches podcast. If you like what you hear and you want to listen to the rest of this episode, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia and become a patron with $5 or more per month. The link is found in the show notes below. In the meantime, please enjoy this preview. Hi everybody, welcome along to the Wednesday edition of the Patrons Only episode of the Dispatches podcast. It is great to be back with you again. Lots of conversational topics to be had today. The big one we're talking about in this episode is can social justice be rehabilitated? And the reason we're exploring that question is because social justice is a set of principles, very important principles actually, that were given to the world courtesy of Christianity. But they are also a set of principles that have been woefully and disastrously and very harmfully distorted by all sorts of ideologies outside of Christianity And as a result now, social justice in a lot of places has been corrupted and it's taken on a bit of a dirty name for itself. It's it's a sort of a it's got a reputation that's not good. And even within Christianity, it's not well understood by people. And so this raises a really interesting question. What does this all mean when you've got these important principles that are actually not well understood and have been distorted and the distortions are causing harm in a society. Can you rehabilitate an authentic vision for social justice and how might this actually look? It's not just that, though. We're also going to talk about New Zealand's out-of-date tax brackets because that is an actual question of justice that does need to be explored, I think. We're also going to talk about a new story relating to artificial intelligence, which once again points to this question we've been talking about previously on previous episodes, and that is the fact that we are now embarking uh, upon this new technology at a rapid rate of knots. We've just adopted it and we're running with it And we're not really exploring the fundamental ethical questions underneath all of this. And I think there's some interesting things to consider in this. There's a new law that came into effect in New York last week, which has invented a whole new category of discrimination. A rather interesting, or two categories actually, we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. But before we even go there, I, I want to embark down a rather controversial pathway. And I want to talk about the question of bilingual road signs here in New Zealand, because over a week ago now, a debate was started in this country about the government proposal to adopt bilingual road signs in New Zealand that would be in both English and Māori. And for over a week, what we've basically had is that anybody who has dared to raise questions about this policy, which you would almost think has been delivered to us as a divine mandate from God himself, the way some people are talking about it, Um, anyone who dares to raise questions is accused of being an evil racist. And basically this is proof of their KKK credentials, the fact that they hate Māoridom, they hate the Māori language, and that's why they're opposed to all of this. But finally, over a week later, after all of this madness has been going on, with accusations flying around left, right and centre about the personal character of, of those involved in the conversation... We finally get some reporting from Radio New Zealand this week on Monday morning, which actually gets to the heart of the really important question here, because it seems to me that the overwhelming majority of people who are opposed to this policy or who have raised questions about it are not doing so based on any racist motivation. Instead, there are two other questions that really have been dominant, I've seen, in the opposition. The first question is that of the cost of doing this especially in the current economic crisis that we find ourselves in and the fact that most New Zealanders are really struggling economically just to make ends meet. And so is it actually prudent and therefore is it moral to spend taxpayer money on a project that isn't absolutely essential 
to the you know the common good of the New Zealand people. It just isn't essential, no matter how you spin it. Even if you want to argue this is a really nice thing to do, it's not an essential thing to do. And so that's one argument. The bigger argument that I've seen from a lot more people is the question of safety. And that's a really, really important one because if you embark on a course of action, you might be really well-meaning about all of this, but if what you do is unsafe, then you've harmed the common good and you've failed to actually lead well. Your uh, governance has not been moral because your governance has done harm to the common good. And so this is a really pressing question. And finally on Monday of this week, as I said, Radio New Zealand decided that they would actually do some reporting on this. The reporting is interesting, not just because of what the actual uh, reporting shows us because they are reporting on a particular 39-page research note that uh, the Ministry of Transport uh, has been relying on, and it's really fascinating what it actually shows, but also the way in which they report on this. This is a great example of how social justice has been corrupted. Despite what the research paper is showing, which it raises some really big questions that effectively all but suggest that this is not a safe thing to do, the reporting on this still goes out of its way to imply that maybe safety isn't the biggest factor when you're thinking about road signs. <laughs> there might be a quote-unquote justice question here that, that is somehow more pressing than the safety efficacy, whether or not your signs are effectively safe or not, on, on, on our roadways. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. Let, let's look at the article and, and you'll see what I mean. So here's a, an example of how the reporting is, is rather odd in the way it frames this. They talk about a, a research um, table, or, or sorry, a table in the research paper, and here's how the article describes it. The table published here, taken from the research, does not paint a clear picture that bilingual signs are safe. What a what a strange way of saying that in actual fact, the table indicates that road signs that are bilingual are not safe. But instead of just saying that, they've said it does not paint a clear picture that bilingual signs are safe. What a confusing way. It's like they're sort of struggling to accept the fact that the evidence says this is not a, a, a good thing to do if your primary concern is road safety. And they go on to say this at the end of the sentence, and even indicate sometimes they might erode safety. But they can't end with a full stop there. They say, comma, if only a little. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, sure, safety is eroded, but don't panic. It's only a little erosion of safety. It's not that big a deal. Now, when you're talking about road signs and road safety, I would have thought that the priority would be that you don't do anything to erode safety. You don't say, oh, it's okay. It's it's just a little erosion of safety. It's not like a really big erosion of safety. It seems to me that when you are thinking about road rules, road structures, road building, road maintenance, road signage, that all of that should be geared towards trying to maximize the safest outcome possible, as opposed to saying, well, it's okay if we just have a little bit of erosion of safety, isn't it? Because, as I said earlier on, and the way this coverage is sort of framed, there is a more pressing question here about this perceived act of social justice that it would be to produce bilingual road signs. It's so fascinating the way this whole thing is playing out. But here's the key bit. This is the five-point summary, and this is from the article, of what they call driver performance when faced with bilingual versus regular signs. And here's the five key points. Number one, comprehension time is longer. So it takes you longer 
to comprehend what you are reading. And just like in the case of drink driving, where we say to people, don't drink and drive because your reaction times are slower and that's not a good thing, that would be the same here, that if your comprehension time is longer, your reaction time is going to be affected by that. Number two, it says that visual stimuli is greater. And as you can probably imagine, that's not a good thing if you want focused drivers who are actually concentrating on the road and the action of driving safely. You don't want them to be overwhelmed with too much visual stimulation. Following distances, this is really interesting, they are smaller and this is, the article says here, quote-unquote, indicating distraction and real-world decrements in safety. So in other words, there is a serious issue around safety related to following distances because people are being distracted. And this is an interesting one. Driving speed is greater. Now, why would that be? Well, let's have a look at what this says. Not unexpectedly, long signs with lots of lines and Very big signs are a no-no, the 39-page report shows. Complex signs, whether mono or bilingual, have been associated with less safe driving behaviours that are more aggressive, such as faster acceleration manoeuvres as drivers get overwhelmed. So that's why the speed issue is what it is. Now, this is interesting because we know that some Māori words are pretty straightforward, but Māori place names can be more longer and a bit more complex. So that surely speaks directly to that particular point. Here's another important point. Interestingly, the comprehension time is greatest for those most fluent in both languages as they tend to read both and compare them in the fraction of a second they get as they drive past. So ironically, if you are fluent in both Māori and English, and you are presented with a bilingual road sign in both Māori and English, you try and read both, your comprehension time is longer, therefore, I guess you'd say things like your reaction time is slower, because you're actually dedicating more time to reading the sign. So ironically, this raises a really, really interesting point about all of this, Of even if you're in a culture where uh, lots of people actually speak the language Is it a safe and good thing to have bilingual road signs? And it seems to be that it's actually not, even in that context. Now, the article goes on to say this, and how's this for a classic example of what I was talking about earlier, where you have this very clear outcome in a report saying there's a safety question here, but the reporting goes out of its way to try and downplay that point. Have a listen to this. None of the above sounds great, You could say that again, it doesn't sound good at all. But crucially, number five states death and serious injury rates that there is no evidence that death and serious injuries become more frequent. The table's negatives notwithstanding, the report concludes few studies have found evidence of major safety impacts associated with bilingual signage. So in actual fact, what the report is actually doing here is saying, and what this reporting here from this journalist is doing is sort of saying, well, even though in actual fact we've found five key points where uh, safety is compromised, because we haven't had lots of evidence here that death and serious injuries become more frequent, it's okay to compromise on safety here. To which I would reply, uh, why? And where else would we accept this kind of strange reasoning? 
where you say, look, there is a, a definite safety issue here and there's definitely a reduction in safety and some serious potential pitfalls which are going to create extra risk on our road, but it's okay to ignore all of that. It's very, very strange. It's a very, very strange way of reporting on this and a very odd conclusion to draw. Well, we'll see why in just a second they've drawn this conclusion. The longer report states, and this is really, really important, and this is quite interesting because a lot of people last week, or for more than a week now, have been claiming, oh, look, other countries have got bilingual road signs and it's not a problem. It's not that big a deal. And the the way people have framed this have, have been to sort of suggest that in actual fact it's really common overseas, but that's not the case at all. The longer report states, in most cases, it is extremely rare to see bilingual safety and regulatory signage, with notable exceptions being in Finland and Wales. So in other words, in actual fact, bilingual road signage is not the norm. And this, I would have thought, is a very, very important issue, because if it's not normative, the obvious question then becomes, why not? Maybe it's because other places have realised that in actual fact, there's a safety issue here. And so it doesn't really stack up with people. I've seen quite a bit of commentary where people have signs uh, or photographs of signs from Wales in particular, funnily enough. So it seems Finland and Wales are the two exceptions, but in actual fact, it's not normal. Here's what the report says again. The tendency has been to focus on advisory signage more than other categories. It is particularly rare to have bilingual signage in regulatory signage. So this is really interesting. And this speaks to the previous point that the report makes where they've said, well, we haven't had uh, lots of evidence that death and serious injuries become more frequent. Maybe that's because, in actual fact, most places don't put their regulatory signage as bilingual signage. They don't make it bilingual. And this is important. An advisory sign is one pointing to, say, a town or a feature. So here's a geographical location. Here's Christchurch, for example. Uh, a regulatory sign tells you what to do, e.g. stop, and a warning sign is along the lines of slippery when wet. So in other words, where you do see bilingual signage overseas, the norm is that it's actually advisory signage, not regulatory signage. So they don't tend to put like stop signs and give way signs and warning signs. They don't make those bilingual. And so, yeah, this is really, really important, as you can see. And it backs up, by the way, what National MP Simeon Brown was saying, that this actually erodes safety. And this really, really matters. Now, here's the interesting part of this reporting. Have a listen to this. The crux comes in confronting the fact that not going bilingual with road signs carries its own real jeopardy. Uh, yes, sir, please do enlighten us on what you mean there. So if we don't go bilingual, despite the fact that this report says that if you do go bilingual, that you have five important aspects of road safety which will be deteriorated by doing that, you're saying that if we don't go bilingual, that that actually carries its own real jeopardy? Okay, so let's hear more about this jeopardy. Where cultural safety is under threat, such as when an indigenous language is under threat of extinction, the aggregate public good may demand that relatively small decrements in public physical safety should be ranked below cultural needs, the research says. It then gives 10 pages over 
to designing bilingual signs that quote-unquote maximise the good while minimising any safety decrements. This is unbelievable. Think about what you've just heard there. Let me read it to you again. Where cultural safety is under threat, such as when an indigenous language is under threat of extinction, the aggregate public good may demand that relatively small decrements in public physical safety should be ranked below cultural needs. What? Where did that very bad idea come from? This idea is a falsehood. So first of all, there's a serious question of validity when you suggest that the Māori language is under threat of extinction. Is that true? I don't know if that's true. I don't think in my lifetime I can ever recall a period in which te reo has been so respected, valued, encouraged and promoted than what it is right now. So I don't think that you could claim legitimately that there is a serious threat of extinction. Like, surely, at the very least, if you're going to try and make this dubious claim, you'd have to say that the threat of extinction is real, it's immediate, and it's pressing. There's no way that that is absolutely justified at all, in any way, right now, with the question of the Māori language and any threat to its extinction. It's just not justified to even remotely say that, I don't think, at all. Secondly, who says that it would be a good idea to actually decrease public physical safety in order to satisfy that desired outcome. What? That is a complete, I would argue, distortion of priorities. It is a, it's a misappropriation of the good for nefarious ends, basically. Fundamental goods, which should be our priority, like basic safety for human persons who move about our country, according to this argument, should be compromised in order to satisfy a secondary cultural goal like the protection of a particular language. That, that's crazy. I'm sorry, folks, but that is crazy. There's no other way to put this. This is just madness. And it's a great example of how social justice has become completely distorted in completely disastrous ways. This is simply not true. Think about this in other areas. Should we accept this when it comes to perhaps physical safety relating to crime? What if somehow you could formulate some argument in which you said, well, if we make neighbourhoods less safe when it comes to criminal offending, that, that actually, and, and in doing that, that somehow that would advance some positive cultural benefit for a particular cultural group. Does that mean we should do that? No, it doesn't mean we should do that at all. And think about what this actually means in practical terms. This is a total contradiction. It is a self-refuting argument because... Road safety isn't just an issue for some people, it's an issue for all New Zealanders who move about on the roads, whether they're in cars, buses, trains, pedestrians, whatever, where there's interaction uh, around our roadways, right? This relates to everybody who moves about in our country. So European New Zealanders, non-European New Zealanders, and Māori New Zealanders are all exposed to greater levels of risk if we embark down this pathway. And so practically speaking, what you're actually suggesting here is that in order to protect Māori culture, we could expose Māori people to greater safety risks, and by doing that somehow we are helping them culturally? That's madness. What happens if the guardians and safekeepers of 
Māori culture and Māori tradition are harmed because of bilingual road signs and accidents that start happening as a result. How has that been a positive benefit for Māori culture and for the Māori language? It hasn't been. This is just absolutely crazy. And then the fact that this report gives over 10 pages to designing bilingual signs that according to them, quote-unquote, maximising the good while minimising any safety decrements is just absolutely astounding to me. You've acknowledged that there is a safety issue in five key areas with bilingual road signs, and then you say, well, let's go ahead and design 10 pages of them anyway. And even then you're saying, well, what we'll try and do is we'll, we'll maximise the good here and we'll try and reduce these acknowledged decreases in safety that will come as a result of this. This is this is just unbelievable to me. This is this is really quite shocking when you think about what a complete failure of basic governance this kind of approach represents. It's a serious failure. It is a failure to act and to protect and uphold the common good in a society to do this. The common good are those goods that are common to all human beings and are essential for human flourishing. And part of that is things like a peaceful, safe, stable order. And you're actually eroding that. If you do things around road safety, which affects all of us, unless we are not moving about on the roads, which is a very small minority of New Zealanders, it affects all of us and our safety. This is just absolutely crazy. At this point, the debate should really be over. I don't know how else to say that, but it really is that simple for me. When you look at what this report is saying, that this is not actually a safe thing to do, you will be eroding road safety by doing this. Then at that point, we should be saying, okay, this is not the strategy to embark upon. There are better and more effective ways to actually advance and promote te reo, the Māori language. And this is not one of them. And like I said at the very beginning, there's a really interesting question that no one wants to seem to engage with, and that's the question of, well, what is the purpose of a road sign? This report speaks to that. And then secondary, and sort of related to that is, is a failure to have bilingual road signs an attack on the Māori language? And will it do great harm to the Māori language, not having bilingual road signs as a norm? And the answer to that is, of course, no. No, it won't. So what are we doing here? We have become confused. Our priorities have become corrupted. We are governed by an ideology which has corrupted this very important concept of social justice and is now using it as a political cudgel to achieve other aims. And that's not a good thing at all. Thanks for listening to this preview of our patrons-only podcast. To unlock the full version of this episode, plus get access to over 12 hours of new and exclusive patrons-only content every single month, simply become a $5 monthly patron at patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. The link is found in the show notes below. Don't forget, live by goodness, truth and beauty, not by lies, and I'll see you next time on The Dispatches.